Turning your Bibles to the book of Luke, uh, we're going to start there first, Luke chapter 2. This is a topical series on uh, the Advent season. Today we're going to be looking at days of hope. Next week it will be days of peace, and the next week days of joy, and the days of love. Luke chapter 2, days of hope. Are you hopeful this morning? Amen, that's good. Starting in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation, literally the messianic hope of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Just a little bit of context here. Jesus has been born. Uh, Eight days has passed, and it would be a circumcision. And then after Mary's purification, it would be 40 days, I believe it is. And then they had to go to the house of the Lord to present Jesus, the the, the baby, and make an offering before the Lord. And so they go to the house of the Lord, and they meet this Simeon. And it was revealed unto Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom and the requirement of the law, then took he Jesus up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, you have let your servant uh, not depart and uh, you've let your service depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. A light to lighten the Gentiles, a revelation unto them, and the glory of thy people Israel. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now, days of hope. Hope can be defined usually in two different ways, two different kinds of hope. There is this earthly hope. There is this human hope that we have. Hope that's based on a feeling. Webster defines it as the feeling that what is Wanted can be had or that events will turn out well. Examples of this feeling, the hope of winning. How many of you have the hope of winning? If you go buy a lottery ticket, and I'm not encouraging that, okay? But if you go buy a lottery ticket, do you have a hope to win? You have a great confidence that you're going to win the big one. Not a whole lot of confidence in that, is there? All right, the hope of winning when Rusty and... uh, Cliff play golf, they have the hope of beating each other. There you go. <laughs> they, 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 they do. I know that for a fact. Um, I hope you will be happy. Happiness depends on happenstance. Or if you got Jesus and you're talking with Jesus, it don't matter. You're going to be happy. You're going to have joy. Amen? All right, another one is, is the people who live in Canada along about middle of February. First of March, you know what they're going to be hoping for? An early spring. But is there a whole lot of confidence in that? There's a whole lot of factors that factor into these things. We have this earthly hope. We have this fleshly, humanistic hope. I hope hope to win. But really, there's not a whole lot of confidence in that, is there? And so we're talking about a hope here that's based on a feeling. Now, the kind of hope that we want to talk to, uh, talk to you about today is a no-so hope, okay? And the, the word that we will see in some other texts that, that we visit 
This is the, the word in the Greek that's there. Desire of some good thing with expectation of obtaining it. An expectation of obtaining it. And what would that be based on? The object of hope. What is the object of our hope spiritually? Christ in me, the hope of glory. So we're, we've, hope has an object. The object of hope, the thing hoped for, the foundation or ground of hope. So our hope has a foundation, it has a ground. Confidence in someone. Do we have an unbelievable confidence in God? Do we have an unbelievable confidence in Jesus Christ? Yes. So our hope, our spiritual hope, this scriptural hope, is very different than a hope-so hope. It is a no-so hope. It gives us confidence and security. This is a no-so hope that is filled with certainty because this hope is based on the person and work of Jesus Christ as its object. My spiritual hope is directed toward the one who has forgiven me and who can keep me until that day he comes for me. Amen? And the Holy Scriptures are its foundation and the church is the pillar and ground of the truth according to the Word of God. Hallelujah. So our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in His Word. And it is a no-so hope. And it's filled with confidence. Are you filled with confidence this morning as a believer in Christ? I'm greatly encouraged and I'm looking forward to these days and we're calling these days, days of hope. And as we make our way through this, we're, I want to remind you, we're talking about a no-so hope that's based on the evidence, the facts that are in evidence in Jesus Christ and His works. Not a feeling. Feeling goes along with it. But it is based on Jesus Christ and what He has done for us and His work. First, I want you to be aware that these days of hope remind us of the hope of God's salvation. The hope of God's salvation. And behold, there was a man in verse 25 in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was a just and devout man. He's extraordinary. There's a lot of spiritual darkness during the days when which Jesus came, but there was a remnant here. And he was waiting for the consolation, literally the messianic hope, waiting, uh, waiting for that messianic hope, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Note that. He's a man of great spiritual character. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit and went into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the requirement of the law, then he took up Jesus in his arms and he blessed him. And he said, Lord, you have let me not depart, uh, you, have, you have let us, thou, thy servant, not depart in, or depart in peace according to your word, your rhema, that operative, all-powerful word of God that was given to him. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and 
the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them as well. Then in verse 36 it says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess. Verse 37, And she was a widow of about fourscore and forty or four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instance, in other words, at the same time, she saw all of this that was going on, and she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all the people that looked for redemption in Israel. The hope of God's salvation. When Jesus was born into our world, he, brought the ho- he, he became the hope of God's salvation. Why? Because he came. And he came for a spiritual purpose. Now, I've already shared with you a little bit earlier that they had gone to the temple for a specific reason. It was time to present Jesus to the Lord because this is the first child that Mary had had and the male They had to go to the temple to offer specific sacrifices unto the Lord for the blessing of that child. And so, while they were there, somebody shows up. And the most amazing thing happened. Here is baby Jesus. He's only 40-some days old or whatever. And he is recognized as God's salvation. They were bringing kids all the time into the temple area to, to um, make the sacrifice and make the offering and get the blessing of the priest. And on this occasion, when Jesus came in, they recognized him for who he was. How did that happen? What does your text tell you? Your text tells you that the Spirit of God revealed to Simeon, this is the one that you have been waiting for. This is the messianic hope. This is the consolation of Israel. This is the one. The Holy Spirit confirmed that Jesus was God's Christ. And not only that, there's another woman who happened to be, another person who happened to be there. And she gives testimony and she confirms that this is God's Christ and she worships. He takes that baby in his arms. And he lifts that baby up to heaven and he thanks God that God had kept his word. That he had kept that Rima word that he had given to him years before. That he would not die until he saw the consolation of Israel. And when they marched Jesus in there to make that offering, the Spirit of God said, that is him. These are days of hope because Jesus came to die in Die for our sins and set the world free from its sin. Amen? Amen. So, as we look at this, we see the days of hope. This is the hope, the certainty of God's salvation. You say, well, how does that apply to us? Well, amazingly, we are still in that same age. We're still in the age of grace. We're still in the age of the gospel. We're still in the age of the church and grace And people can still be saved today. The lost can be saved. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. So if we confess and we ask the Lord to forgive us, we can be forgiven of our sins and we can be saved. 
and forgiven and become a child of God. But also, the saved can be sure. <laughs> we can be certain. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 are two verses that new believers learn in the first discipleship class that they come to. Amen? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to say it. And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son of God has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. God's salvation can be a certainty in your life. You can be certain that you are forgiven and born again on the basis of what God's Word says in your obedience to that Word. Amen? 1 Peter 3 of 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says that we're saved by His grace and kept by His power. You are begotten again to a living hope. Do you think He's talking about a hope-so hope there? You are begotten again to a no-so hope. We are saved by His grace and kept by His power. He does the saving. He does the keeping us saved. Philippians 1, 6 says that being confident of this very thing, he which hath begun a good work in you will do what? He will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. Saved by his grace, kept by his power. So we are living in days of hope and certainty. The, hurt, the hope and the certainty of God's salvation. Now, if I was to ask you this question this morning, what would your answer be? If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Please don't tell me. Well, I hope so. <laughs> you need to know so. Amen. Amen. Amen? This is the testimony. This is the record. God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son of God has life, thus saith the Word of God. Amen? Amen? When it comes to salvation, you better not be saying, well, I hope so. You need to know so. This is the certainty, the hope and the certainty of God's salvation. Next, I want you to see what I'm going to call the hope of a better life. The hope of a better life. Turn over to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And it reads in verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise his name. By whom also we have access. Hmm. By faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory. We rejoice in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, perseverance, and experience literally developing our spiritual ca uh, character into hope. And hope does not disappoint. Hope does not, is not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Hallelujah. Can we say amen right there? I'm telling you what. You talk about a powerful text. That's a powerful text. You know, when Jesus was here, he said this about the old booger man. He says, the enemy of our souls has come to steal, kill, 
and destroy. That's what, that's what the, the, the devil and his crowd's all about. Steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus said this, but I have come that you might have life and have it more what? See, Jesus not only died for your sins, but he also rose in resurrection power to pay the penalty of that sin, but also to set you free from the grip, the power, and the force of sin. He wants you to experience that abundant life. Amen? So this season is a, the, the hope and the certainty of a better life. You say, what does that look like? This text tells us a little bit about that. He says that we're justified by faith. Do you know what that means? Have you thought about that lately? That you're justified by faith? Justification means that you are, uh, you, you are declared righteous before God through what Christ has done for you. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior... You go from being under the weight and the penalty of your sins to being forgiven for your sins because Jesus paid your sin debt and you go to being in a place where you are liberated and God doesn't hold that against you anymore because your sin debt is paid. And you are declared righteous in the sight of God. And the guilt and all of that stuff just comes off of you. Now why did he do that? So you can have a better life. It's hard to uh, be enjoying life when you feel guilty and you got the weight of your sins on you. <laughs> Amen? So we're justified by faith. He says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How does that come about? Well, you're no longer an enemy of God once you get saved. The wrath of God is no longer on you. You are forgiven. You're no longer uh, that, that, that enemy. You are forgiven. You're a child of God. And now you have peace. The burden of your sin is gone. You have confessed. You have humbled yourself before the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you. And once you are forgiven, the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. And you know what He gives you? He gives you the peace of God. You see, you're able to have peace with God because you've got the peace of God living within you in the form of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, why do we get all that? So we can have a better life. <laughs> hey, listen, you're carrying your sin and your guilt around, that old, you know, just feeling that, that, that heaviness and that misery. You can't enjoy life like that. But once you are justified, you receive peace with God. You have a liberty in you. And then it just keeps going here. You got access by faith into this grace. All this forgiveness... All of this deliverance, delivering you from the grip, the power, and the force of your sin is grace and the blessing of God upon your life that you don't deserve. But He has given you access into all of that stuff through faith. Why? So you can live a better life. You feeling me? Yes, <laughs> Come on now. He's given us all of this stuff so that we could have a better life. Y'all act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in certainty of the glory of God. You see, now that I'm saved and I'm born again and I start walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you know what happens? I can bring glory to God. My life can reflect Him. 
See, now I can be an image bearer of God, which I was created to be, but sin has messed that up. But I get that sin out of my life and I get born again. Jesus, who lives within, can shine through my life and I can be an image bearer to the glory of God and I can fulfill the purpose for which I was created. Hallelujah. Why did he do all that? So I could have a better life. Yes, and so you could have a better life. And folks, if that was not enough, he goes on and he says in verse 3, and not only so, a good liberal translation there is... If that's not enough, just listen to this. But rejoice in tribulations. Woo, say what? Rejoice. Glory. King James has glory. It means rejoice in your sufferings. You got to be kidding me. Now, as a lost person, you can't rejoice in your sufferings. But honey, when you get saved and born again by the Spirit of God and become a redeemed child of God, God ain't going to waste nothing in your life. He's going to use everything for His glory and for your good. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord who are the called according to His purpose that we might be conformed to the image of Christ and have a better life. Praise God. Yeah. He says, rejoice in your tribulations. Why? Knowing that this tribulation and this suffering work of patience, that literally means and produces perseverance. How many of y'all need perseverance? Let me see your hand. Come on, get your hand up if you need perseverance. That's why you're suffering. <laughs> God's allowing that suffering in your life so that we can persevere. So, and it, now follow this on out so that we can have uh, produces perseverance in our life. What's the next word there? Patience. Uh, experience. Uh, no, uh, patience worketh uh, uh, patience, which is perseverance and uh, experience. That word experience means developing your spiritual character. Growing and maturing in Christ. Learning to walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, you got the resources of God, the spiritual resources of God working in your life. And you are maturing in your Christian character. And what does that lead to? Hope. Certainty. The blessing of God, knowing who you are, knowing that I'm a redeemed child of God, knowing that God loves me, knowing that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life, and knowing that God is walking with me and blessing me, and listen to this, and this certainty and this hope maketh not ashamed, does not disappoint, does, is, does not delude. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Honey, when God begins to flow in you and you sense that love and His manifest, manifest presence in your life, honey, you talk about certain that you know who you are and whose you are and where you're headed. It'll just bless you. And why, again, is all this stuff given to us as His children? So that we can have a better life. Woo! Are you feeling me this morning? Come on now. Are you having that better life? Are you experiencing that better life? It's there for us. Is that better life and the life of Christ working in you? 
and paying off in you. You know, right now, we got some of the best CD rates I ever seen. Man, that's, that's, that's bright, isn't it? I get you. Got some of the best CD rates going on right now. You, you can take 10000 if you had that, or 50000 or 100000 whatever you had, and you can put it on the CD for six or seven months, and you can get 5 or 6% on it. You know what that's called? That's called having a better life financially. Uh-huh. You, you follow me? So you take that money and you put it on, in, uh, on, on a CD. It will bear some good yield for you, good, good fruit for you. It'll, it'll bless you. And you see your money grow. You let your money work for you. Amen? You know what I'm saying? Now, what do you have to do to do that? You have to take your money out of the piggy bank and take it to the bank. And you have to commit for a season. Mm-hmm. What happens if you decide differently after two or three months? Say, well, I ain't going to leave my money in there. I'd rather just have it at home. Where I could just look over it. Are they going to give you that 5 or 6%? No, they ain't going to give it to you. You're going to lose it. I have just explained to you through uh, an illustration why many believers are not experiencing a high yield with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They won't get committed for any length of time. Hey, you got Jesus in you, honey. You need to commit yourself to Jesus for six months, seven months, a year, a year and a half, and just watch your life in Christ grow. Too many people, they get started. They say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm born again. I, I just need to get committed here. I need to get committed. And they get committed, and they last about three weeks, four weeks, six weeks. And then they go around complaining all the time about how bad life is and all that kind of thing. Honey, if you'll leave yourself in Christ and in proper fellowship with Him and walk in the Spirit so you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, you'll experience that high-bearing fruit time in Jesus Christ. You've got to abide, yield, and obey. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross daily. You've got to follow after Jesus for a period of time until you can see Jesus working in you and for you. And have that better life that the scripture talks about. Amen? Amen. So let's get committed. And stay committed through the ups and the downs. And let the life of Christ grow within us and let us have that high yield. And let the love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and the goodness and the faith and the meekness and self-control... The fruit of the Spirit overflow in our life. And we go along with a silly smile on our face all the time. <laughs> like something's wrong with us. No, we're just full of Jesus. <laughs> I'm experiencing the high yield in Jesus. Amen. <laughs> yeah, these are days of hope, people. The hope of God's salvation. The hope of a better life. And then the hope of the next advent. You say, Pastor, they've more than one? Absolutely. Turn over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. 
And he says in verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. What in the world is that? That is the hope of God's salvation right there. Listen to that. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Right there's your second point. The hope of a better life. You can't have the better life of Jesus and the fruit of Jesus in your life if you're still walking in your flesh and disobedience. You've got to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Now here's the hope of the next advent. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a special people, all of his own zealous of good works. What is the hope of the next advent? Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, who is the hope that's mentioned there? Who is the person who is the hope in verse 13? Our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, there is at least three advents in the Scripture of Jesus. The first one, the advent of His birth, His incarnation. Where he literally wrapped himself in flesh and bone. And the word was, became flesh. Amen. His birth. It's this wonderful season that we celebrate. Here's another one. The advent of the rapture. The coming of Christ. Who is going to meet us in the air. He's coming for his bride. He's coming for his church. And when he does that. He's going to fulfill the feast of trumpets. Then there's another advent, the advent or the coming of his second coming, where he will come and literally touch down on the earth. When he comes in the rapture, he's not going to touch down on the earth. We're going to meet him in the clouds. But at his second coming, he's going to touch down upon the earth, and he's going to defeat the enemies of God, and the day of atonement is going to be fulfilled. The nation of Israel will look upon the one that they have pierced, and they will receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and receive the same blood atonement that you and I receive. And then we'll go off in the millennial kingdom. But the day of atonement will be fulfilled. The feast of atonement will be fulfilled during his second coming. So there's three advents of Jesus. We've already had one. What comes next? The rapture. The advent of the rapture. You say, are you sure? Well, did Jesus not promise he would come? Did he not promise I go, I'm going to go back to heaven and I'm going to build a place and prepare a place for where uh, I am, there you may be also? Did he not promise that? Did the angels at his ascension not say, don't you know this same Jesus is going to come in like manner? But did other people talk about that? As a matter of fact, they did. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, To believers, for ye are dead, who you were in Adam. You're dead now, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Muse on, meditate on that a little bit, and you'll shout. For you are dead as a believer. You're dead, who you used to be, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. 
When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. What is that? That's the rapture. That's the, the next advent. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 16, he says, The Lord Jesus himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. What is that? I want to ask you a question. Does that sound like a hope so hope or a no so hope? That's a no so hope, right? He's confident about that. Listen to John here in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, 28. He's really getting on them about walking in proper fellowship with Jesus. He says, now, little children, abide in him. Walk in proper fellowship that when he, Jesus, shall appear, we may have confidence and you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Does that sound like a hope so or a no-so hope to you? It's a no-so hope. The next time he comes, it's going to be the advent of the rapture. And you and I, as we celebrate this season, can be aware of the hope and the certainty of the next advent. If he came once, will he not come again? Does his resurrection not guarantee our resurrection? Yes. Does the first advent not guarantee there'll be a second and a third? Yes. You say, well, I hope so. No, 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 no. I know so. Based on the authority of God's word. You know, when I went off to Bible college, yes, I went to school for a while. I know it's hard to believe. I had all kinds of classes, hermeneutics. I had homiletics. And you'd never know it now, but I had eight semesters of English that was required. I learned a lot when I was in school. I did. It really helped me. I went to a school. The school's sole purpose is to prepare young men and men for the pastoral ministry. That is their only reason to exist. And so in homiletics, I learned a very simple truth that I want to share with you. As you share a passage of Scripture and you share that with people, this is what they said. You can't have one without two. <laughs> Isn't that simple? You can't have one without a two. There may be a three or a four or a five. But you can't have one without a two. You get that? You ever heard somebody now share with you three things and they say one, one, one. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You can't have one without a two. And the three, and so on. You can't have just one advent. <laughs> Do you get it? You can't have just one. It's got to be a second and a third. When Jesus came the first time at the first advent, it was to reveal God unto us and go to the cross and die for our sins. That we might be justified and then he was raised from the dead for our justification to provide forgiveness for us. He got it started. The church was birthed into existence to carry it on. 
the first advent was about getting it started. But when he comes the second and third time, he's going to finish what he started. He's going to defeat the enemies of God. There's going to be a judgment. And he's coming for his bride and his people. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. And you and I have the hope of his next advent. The question is, is he coming for you? He coming for me. And I'm not standing here telling you, well, I hope he is. I know he is. I've got a no-so hope in Jesus Christ. Do you have that? Are you kind of up in the air on this thing? I just don't really know. Well, the Spirit of God will do the same thing that he did to Simeon. He will point Jesus out to you. <laughs> He'll say, right here, this is Jesus. He died for you. He rose for you. This is my son, and you need to receive him as your Savior. He'll issue a call on your soul and on your life. Say, you need to come and receive my son. Amen. Let's bow before the Lord.